welcome to the Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice podcast with Charlotte Foster. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice. I hope you are well. Last week, you'll remember, talked a little bit about, I say a little bit, the whole episode, the whole episode was about how I get over those days when I just can't get my words out. And one of the things I mentioned as to sometimes the reason why I can't get my words out without making a mistake is because the script I'm reading hasn't been written to be spoken. It's been written to be read. So this week I thought, actually, let's have a look at the tips, tricks, tactics, whatever you want to call them, about how to write for your podcast. Because I'm sure you've listened to podcasts or perhaps guests being interviewed on the radio, maybe, or on podcasts. And you thought, hmm, something doesn't sound quite right when they're talking. Actually, right isn't the right word. It's more natural. Something doesn't sound natural about the way they're talking. What they're saying just jars. It's stilted. It just doesn't sound like you'd expect. Now, more often than not, it's because what you're actually hearing has been written for the eye to read and not the ear to hear. I'm a poet. I do know it, actually. And of course, I want your podcasts to sound the best they can. So in today's episode, I'm going to share the ways I make my podcast scripts because I do sometimes script and I'll tell you why in a moment. I want to tell you how I make my podcast scripts sound as natural as possible. Now, the first and most obvious way you can make it sound like you're not reading a script is to not read a script. Don't have a script at all. Chuck it out the window. It is a pretty obvious thing to say because obviously, you know, not having a script, you're not going to sound like you're reading a script. But I also know that it's quite scary rocking up to record your podcast without a script in front of you. The thing is, you don't need a script. You do not need a word for word script in front of you to record your podcast. What you do need is to plan and prepare your episode, know what you're going to say, know when you're going to say it roughly, where you're going to say it, how you're going to say it. But it doesn't need to be word for word scripted out. So you do need to plan it. You might want to plan it in the same way you would plan a presentation. So give yourself some visual prompts if that works well for you. Put bullet points down. Do both, have visual prompts and bullet points. Whatever works for you, do that. So it sounds more natural because you are just talking around a subject you know and love. Make sure you have your beginning, your middle and your end mapped out. Now, you may want to just go with the flow to get into those points. So go with the flow from the beginning to the middle and then the middle to the end Or you might want to structure it a bit more so you know your cues to the next section each time. It's up to you, however you work best when it comes to doing a presentation. Think of your podcast as a presentation. The thing is, your podcast is about your specialist subject more often than not, especially if it's a podcast for your business. So you know what you're talking about. You do, I promise. Have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in what you do. Have confidence in your knowledge and know that with that confidence, 
you can talk about your specialist subject without reading it word for word and sounding like you are reading it word for word. That was done for effect, by the way. Now, sometimes you need a script. It could be your confidence levels aren't there yet. Fine, we'll get there. It could also be that actually there are times when you need to make sure the right words are said at the right times. It could be legal issues. So you could have a bit of a controversial thing to say and you want to make sure that you're not going to break any laws by saying something. That was the most common reason in radio when I worked in radio as to why I wouldn't change a script. It's because right at the top in bold, highlighted in as many different colours as possible as well, you would get a line saying, do not change this script. It's been approved by the duty lawyer. And yes, I did change scripts, not those ones. I would change scripts that were left for me because I wanted them to sound like me. I wanted them to have my voice. And again, if it was written for somebody else, by somebody else, then I would often trip over the words because it wasn't written in my flow. It wasn't written in the way I would say things. It wasn't using the words I would say as well. So... If there are times that you know you need to do a script, it could, it might not be something as dangerous as being legally dodgy. It could just simply be you want to script your intro and outro. So you've got them in the same uh, every single episode if you're reading them live. It could be that you want to script your introductions to guests to make sure that you get their name correct and all that information that you've gathered about them. Make sure you've got those correct. So if that is the case, what do you need to do when it comes to the actual writing of your script? Well, first things first, if you're going to write a script, read it out loud. Read it out loud. As you are writing it, when you finished writing it at all stages, read it out loud. I don't know how many times I need to tell you this. Read it out loud. Okay. Not in your head. Not read it out loud. <laughs> I might have this as a big bullet point somewhere. You might might have gathered. It's so, so important. By reading it out loud, you're going to hear and also feel what those sentences sound like when you say them out loud. You will hear how they work and you will feel if those sentences work for you and the way you speak. You'll also hear if they're hitting the not being read out loud mark. And that's important. So you'll often see me sitting at a computer muttering away to myself. I promise I'm not just having a conversation with the only person who actually pays any attention to what I'm saying. I'm actually checking if a script I'm writing makes sense when said out loud. So this is what I'm thinking when I'm doing this. I'm, want, I'm checking with myself. Does it feel like something I would say? Does it flow in the same way I talk when I talk naturally without any scripts in front of me? Because if it doesn't, it gets really difficult to read out loud, really hard to say. Guess what? I'll trip over my words. I end up making more mistakes. I get annoyed. And then I have to go and listen to last week's episodes about understanding what I need to do when I'm having those days when I can't read a sentence out loud for love nor money. So that is why we might want to read our scripts out loud, why we might want to have a script. So here's some tips to make sure that when it comes to reading our scripts out loud, it works as close to first time as we can make it. 
These are in no particular order. These are just as my brain has figured them out or remembered them. And I've lived by these for the past 20 years. Short sentences. Firstly, short sentences are easier to read out loud without making mistakes or losing your breath halfway through. That's a killer. And secondly, they're also easier to hear and understand. And keep those sentences that are short, simple too. There was quite a few nice short sentences there for you to enjoy. Did you notice? Do not waffle on with long sentences that go on and on. And don't bring other thoughts into that sentence, which will then make it hard to follow. So this is where planning comes into play. If you know what you want to say, you will find it so, so much easier to stick to the points. Remember, people can't hear your full stops or your commas. They just get pauses. That's a pause for a full stop. Make sure your pauses go in the right places for the right amount of time. Use the present tense. Think back to the last conversation you had. You spoke it pretty much all in the present tense, right? So do that when you're explaining stuff on your podcast, when you're talking on your podcast. And if you do have a story to tell, which has to take place in the past, make it as active as as you can. Put lots of active verbs in there. Make it punchy and make it sound natural. It just makes it far easier to listen to. Simple words. Now is not the time to vomit up a thesaurus. Just don't. There is a time and a place for showing off all those long words you learned at school, college or university. Your podcast is not it. Remember, podcast listeners are often doing something else whilst listening to your podcast. They do not want to be scanning their brains, trying to figure out what word you mean, just because you've spent 20 minutes scouring off the source for a posh word in the hope that it makes you sound clever and brainy. It doesn't. More often than not, it makes people confused. And often than not, it just makes people switch off because they are spending too long catching up with what you're trying to say and not following what you're saying. Here's one that you'll know. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, regular reader of anything I've written about podcasting, or if you've even heard me speak in real life, whether or not I've been talking about podcasts to start with or not. But you, the power of you as a word, you are always talking to just one person when you are recording your podcast. And that one person is always addressed in the singular too. So that's why you will always hear me addressing you as you. There's a lot of yous in there. And yes, that is a bit weird. Numbers are a tricky one to deal with. If you've got a podcast that deals with lots of numbers, this is so, so important. It's really hard for our brains and our ears, or mainly our brains, but our ears do a bit of the work as well. It's really hard for them to follow big, precise numbers such as, let's say, 253,912. My brain is frazzled just thinking about it and it's written down in front of me. I'm trying to figure out how many zeros there should be. I'm trying to figure out what does that actually mean? How, what is that number? So instead of using the precise big number, where possible, round up or round down your numbers. So the example I just gave you, if you've forgotten because your brain's gone frazzled, it was 253,912. Instead of saying that, I'd be far better off just saying 
more than a quarter of a million. And that's all you need to know. More than a quarter of a million. You don't need to know the exact bits. Unless, of course, and I can hear the unless, of course, people's. Unless, of course, you're doing a really kind of deep scientific um, podcast. But even then, even then, I would probably round up and round down as much as possible. Just because... We want people to understand and not be playing catch up, trying to figure out what number you've just said and what it means. We want people with us every step of the way, not two steps behind, not two steps in front. Percentages. These are tricky as well for brains. So wherever possible, avoid them if you can. Opt for fractions instead. So you're not just ignoring them. We're just swapping them out. So rather than saying 25%, say a quarter, immediately when I've done that, I can visualize a quarter. Admittedly, it's in a cake form. I mean, I might tell you it's a pie chart if I'm trying to be all clever, but no, it's in a cake form. I say quarter and I've got a quarter of that cake. That is my slice. Thank you very much. I can see it clear as day. Whereas if I said 25% of a cake... I've then got to go 25%. That's a quarter. That's what a quarter looks like. There's there's extra steps along the way when it comes to me seeing it. So obviously there are going to be some times when you can't just say a third because it's not practically, you know, it's not 33.3%. So you would just go around a third, just under half would be what you would say. So again, round up or round down those um, fractions as well. In fact, while we're talking about how it's easy to picture things, anything when it comes to numbers and measurements that you can put into a visual representation is brilliant when you're trying to get your message across to the ear rather than the eye. I'm sure you've heard it again on the telly or on the radio. They will describe the size of something in football pitches. So they'll go, oh, the the area of this whatever cordoned off area is about 10 football pitches immediately you can see a football pitch and you go well, one of those oh, 10 of them that's quite big Whoa. they're not going to tell you what it is in acres and i don't know what it is in acres i'm not going to confuse you also on the same kind of thing if i said to you well that building it's a 10 meters tall could you honestly say that you can picture that accurately what 10 meters looks like i can't but if i told you That building over there, it's about the height of two double-decker buses, one on top of the other. I bet you've got a visual clue now as to how big that uh, that building is, and you've got more of a picture of it. You don't need to know that a double-decker bus is around just under five metres tall. You just need to have seen a double-decker bus to get a really good idea of how tall that building is. And no, nobody has seen two double-decker buses in real life put on top of each other, really. But we can get that, we can make it look, we can see that in our visualisation. We go, two double-decker, okay, I can get how big that building is. Fab. And also, you don't need to have seen that double-decker bus in real life, one on top of the other or not. As long as the picture of that double-decker bus that you have seen has some context to give you an approximate height... You're there, right? You've got that picture in your head. Now, it might feel like this is really simple. And because it's so simple, actually, you're going to sound a bit simple or you're not going to sound intelligent enough. And you're not giving, you know, you're not, you're not coming across as someone who knows what they're talking about because you're keeping it all really simple. This is not the case, I promise. Staying simple and getting a complex message across in a simple way is actually quite difficult. 
But by following these these tips, these advice, you will be able to keep everything sounding natural, if nothing else. Because what we want from our podcasts is to be understandable and get our message across. The power of podcasting comes from the connection gained by listening to the person who is presenting the podcast's voice. And probably my cat in the background. I'm not sure if you heard it. If you did, I'm going to keep it in. So the power of podcasting comes from the connection that is gained by listening to another voice. Voices are so, so powerful. And when you've got nothing but voice to get your message, it's even more so. The power of podcasts does not come from making your sentences complex, your words sound like you vomited up a thesaurus, none of that. That is not where the power of podcasting comes from. It comes from that connection from hearing a voice speaking in its authentic way. I hope this episode has been useful to you. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'd love to hear how you make sure your podcast sounds as natural as possible and not just natural as possible, how you write your podcast so that it can be heard rather than read. That makes sense in my head. Maybe I should have scripted that bit. As always, you can get in touch with me via social media. It's the best way of finding me. You can get me on LinkedIn. I am Charlotte Foster, Podcast Queen. And on Instagram, I am at Charlotte Foster Podcasts. I'll be back with you with another episode next week.